0: Hey Memphis, welcome to the weekend. Welcome to Friday, y'all. And welcome, welcome to Memphis Flyer Radio. My name is Toby Sells. I'm a reporter with the Memphis Flyer and the host of of this here radio show that is recorded, mixed, mastered, smothered, and covered for you this week at Flyer Headquarters right here on beautiful Cotton Road downtown, offering lovely views of all these Memphians going out for lunch to pick up a sandwich at Jimmy John's only to melt right on the sidewalk. We are beamed into the sky and into your radio from the center of the Universe Crosstown Concourse. And it's WYXR radio station at 91.7 FM. Thank you so much to all the good folks over there making great community radio happen. Now, if you haven't already, consider a donation to the station at WYXR.org. This show comes to you, of course, from the people and the pages of the Memphis Flyer. We are your alternative news weekly based right here in good old Memphis, Tennessee, USA. And if you like what we do, please consider joining our frequent flyer club. That is where you can support local and alternative journalism right here in your town. More details on that are over at MemphisFlyer.com. This week's cover story is all about late night dining in Memphis. It's been in limbo after COVID, but our reporter Sam Chichi and Michael Donahue scoped out the scene for us in this week's cover story. Sam is going to join us later on in the show to talk about it. Jackson Baker fills us in on the countywide political race. It'll be the last update we'll have on this before the August 4th election next week, so join us for that later and check out Jackson's story in the paper. Bruce Van Weingarten weighs in on this new Republican idea of Christian nationalism and how the GOP has just turned Christianity into something it just ain't. Jesus for guns, anyone? Finally, Chris McCoy saw the new Jordan Peele horror thriller, Nope, and he gives it a big old yep. Find out why later. We'll have some news and the member net, and we'll have some choice cuts from our calendar, the finest events calendar in all of Memphiana, to help you get your weekend together. All right, that is it, folks. Here we go. All am going to start the show this week just like we do each and every week with a look down the streets of the MemorNet, y'all know that is Memphis on the internet. Reddit user named Tac 13 wondered how high was your Memphis light gas and water bill and answered the question with a meme showing Willie Nelson, Cheech Marin, Tommy Chong, and Snoop Dogg, all notorious for being super duper high. Burgers and Dogs, WMC TV had some fun with a crazy news story last week. In that story, a Knoxville couple allegedly stole two thousand dollars worth of hot dogs and hamburgers. Crazier still, the couple did it, quote, during Memphis Flyer Burger Week and on National Hot Dog Day. What are the odds, asked the station on Facebook. Overton Park Project gets $3 million. The project to forever eliminate parking on the Overton Park Greensward got $3 million in federal funding last week. The U.S. House passed six spending bills totaling more than $400 billion. Some of that money includes the discretionary spending for projects all over the country, including the $3 million to further the Overton Park parking plan. The new Overton Park parking plan was announced in March. It came after decades of complaints about Greensward parking, testy debates during Memphis City Hall meetings, a mediation process that ended at an impasse, a compromise plan that would have taken some acres from the Greensward, a hopeful new plan that would have built a parking deck on Prentice Place and left the Greensward intact, and then the removal of that proposal after it proved too costly in favor of the previous compromise plan that would remove part of the Greensward. The new plan preserves the entirety of the Greensward, restores 17 acres of parkland that stood unused behind chain-link fences, It swaps land between the park and the Memphis Zoo and forever ends the zoo's use of the Greens Ward for overflow parking. Much work is to be done before that happens, though, said Tina Sullivan, executive director of the Overton Park Conservancy, which oversees the park for the city. However, the $3 million, she said, will help get that work done, make for quality work, and maybe get that work done more quickly. Porn Preferences Tennessee's top Pornhub search was interracial last year, according to the Porn site in its annual report. Pornhub's 2021 year in review offers insights into trends around the world that may be offering glimpses into cultures and people, especially when they think no one is looking. No information is available as to why Tennessee's porn preference is interracial. No other state's highest search term was interracial. And in fact, no two states shared the same highest rate search term. Tennessee ranked high on Pornhub's list of longest visits, that is, Tennessee and State on the site longer than most. Tennessee ranked 8th for longest visits with an average time of 10 minutes and 34 seconds. I can't read much more of this story on the air here, so you're going to have to pick up a copy of the Memphis Flyer on the stands or go over to MemphisFlyer.com and get the rest of the story. Jackson Baker has been the man to watch this election season. If you want to know what's happening out there with all of these many candidates running for office all over Shelby County, Jackson Baker is the man you need to read. He's here with us right now. Jackson Baker is our political editor here at the Memphis Flyer. Jackson, welcome to the show. I am so happy to be here. You would think at this point of the election, you've written about it every week, you've written so many posts for MemphisFlyer.com that there would almost be nothing left to say about this election, but there still is, there's still new information coming out. And again, like I said, folks, it's must-read reading. You said that the marquee race, one more time, is is the Shelby County District Attorney's race. What's new happening out here? Charlemagne,
1: the god, has gotten involved in our race. So That's definitely
0: what
1: you need to know. <laughs> yeah. a social media eminence in New York. He and uh, Ben Crump, who's a mega lawyer up that way, and uh, who was the other one? Uh, Steve Mulroy has, uh, got some funds from people interested in the criminal justice issue, and that kind of gets him almost up to Amy Weirich's level. Amy Weirich began this election. The incumbent, she began the selection with half a million dollars. Yeah. And she spent roughly that already and raised a whole bunch more, of Amazing. course. And she's still ahead in the fundraising, but Steve Mulroy is, uh, is, as I say, getting some national attention, too.
0: So we've got John Grisham, John Legend, Charlemagne the God. Those are the highest profile nods to him that, that we've gotten But so
1: Barry Sheck, you remember Barry Sheck no. from the OJ trial?
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah.
1: He's right in there with, if it doesn't fit, you must have quit. But his was DNA. He, was, okay. he actually brought DNA into the national spotlight, and, of course, that is an issue in the campaign. Mulroy wants, wants there to be a lot more use of DNA post-conviction, and that's one of his arguments with Amy Wyrick who uses DNA on the front end uh, before conviction, but is not yet used in past okay. uh,
0: conviction. Right, absolutely. They have been, as you say in your column this week, they've been in almost daily debates all over the place. There was one, did they have three debates in a day?
1: They had three debates in a week, Dang. day after
0: day. And are their arguments getting tired? Are they the same talking points you're seeing?
1: Pretty much the same talking points. And they come down to the fact that she's fairly hard-line, Get, put these crooks in jail and keep them there. Right. And, and he's, although she says she has some rehabilitative efforts too, and he is much more interested in reforming the process and in racial disparity, that issue, because he thinks there aren't enough blacks in the district attorney's department, and it's pretty much sworn to, to enlarge the number of African Americans. Pointing out that there are that there, 85 percent of the attorneys in that office are white, 95 percent of the defendants are black, and there's a disproportion there.
0: Yeah. And how does she respond when she says when he brings that up? She says that
1: among other things that it's that the really talented graduates, the legal graduates who are African American have many offers okay. from private firms and she has to compete with those private firms and without the same advantages.
0: What does how does General Wyrick respond when Steve says, "Look, it's not just me. Look at these numbers. We've got the highest crime that we've ever had during your tenure."
1: Basically, she doesn't have much of an answer. To that statistics are statistics. She maintains it's not her fault, of course. That, and she actually puts a lot of the blame on the Republican legislature in right. Nashville and their continued in- intentions to liberate guns so that everybody on the street is packing a gun. Not sure. And some of those people packing the gun are going to use it, of course. And there's no question the increased availability of guns is a major part of the increase in crime. But Moroi says that it's just if you hit 60 home runs, you're going to play for the Yankees. If you if you strike out every time at bat, you're not. Yeah,
0: you have to judge on the results. And that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. What does during the campaign, Amy's. <clears throat> I say Amy like we're friends. I'm going to edit that out. Well,
1: she is accessible. We can call her Amy. <laughs>
0: if you're out there, General Wyrick, I, I wish you well. But during the campaign, General Wyrick's ads many times have, have accused Mulroy of being in the defund the police camp, which you write about this week. Does that ever come up in these debates? And what that is,
1: comes up every time. What does
0: Mulroy say about it?
1: He says he actually doesn't say directly, I, I've never believed in defunding the police and never have and never will or anything. He doesn't do the definite denial. He says, I believe that uh, police should be paid more. We should hire more police, pay them more, and train them better. Okay. And that's his way of responding to it. He's got advice that he shouldn't repeat the phrase. I think he should. If you're asked, um, did you shoot John Doe? A good answer is not, I don't even own a gun. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, my gosh. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Moving on from that one, finally, to the other race, of course, a Shelby County mayor is up. You said that Mr. Morgan's campaign has gone a little soft, a little quiet, maybe, during the ending days here of the election. How's that all going? He
1: never has had many specifics to talk about. He has said we deserve better, and he has had a lot of difficulty spelling out what that better would okay. look like. But I tell you there was a debate yesterday in Rotary, which I'm going to write about this week, in which it was Lee one of one of his backers, one of Worth Morgan's backers. Said, "Well, that was Rebecca of Sunny Sunnybrook Farm versus Mac in the Knife, wasn't it?" <laughs> and, <laughs> meaning that there was a she thought she saw a lot of tax coming from Lee Harris. Actually, a lot of tax came from both directions. Okay. It was, there was a lot of antagonism on both sides, and, and more of it seeming personal than actually having to do with issues, though. Basically, the Mayor. Lee Harris started off the debate by saying that his opponent didn't have any kind of record. He was always absent during key votes, and he had no reason to be running for mayor at all, essentially. And call that mac the Knife, if you will.
0: All right. One last thing before I let you go. You've covered a lot of these races over the many years you've been doing this. On a scale of 1 to 10, as far as interesting, how interesting has this election season been?
1: I would say it's been right up there, eight, nine. I would say I've reserved ten for the 1991 mayor's race at Harrington. One. Yeah so historical. But this is right up there. The uh, race all by itself is worth at least an eight or a nine, I think.
0: Okay. Wow, man. You, you heard it here first, folks. That's uh, our political editor, Jackson Baker, who's been watching this thing for us. Folks, pick up a copy of the paper this week. It's out on the stands right now. Head over to com. You can read more all about that. And you will be sure to see an election wrap up from our own Jackson Baker next week. Jackson, thanks for all you do. You bet. Bruce Van Weingarten writes our at-large column. Welcome to the show, Bruce.
2: Thank you, Toby. Happy well, to be here. Yeah,
0: and happy to have you here because uh, you've written a classic Bruce Van Weingarten column in here that I would read before I worked at the Memphis Flyer and thought, man, I'm glad somebody said this all out loud. This week's column is called Devil to Pay, and uh, what'd you write about, Bruce? It
2: took on this sort of weird fundamentalist Christianity that, that seems to be permeating the right wing, the magazines, and pointed out that it... In fact, is not at all Christian in any shape or form. It's just an invention, and it's primarily an American invention of just backwoods churching, where folks would ministers would guilt their flocked in, into giving money to support quote the church, and it it just as I wrote in the column, it's a business model that morphed into as these things do a larger business model, so that now you have preachers that have mega churches with jets and palatial estates and television shows and the grift has always been, you know, don't sin and give us money. And millions of people seem to buy into this. And this idea is now getting conflated with nationalism. And so you have this sort of nationalistic evangelical cult that's going on, it's all about guns and anti-gay marriage and everything else that has nothing to do with Jesus, which is what Christianity was founded on, and I really went off on a rant there. I'm sorry.
0: No, I'm glad you did. I was raised in a Baptist house and believed all that stuff, right, about the poor and all of that stuff, and really took that to heart until I, I got it, grew up later on and realized these people really don't care about that. You hear about health care. <laughs> right. Hey, let's take care of the poor. No, we're not going to take care of the poor. That's yeah, ridiculous.
2: You need to save money and get a job.
0: The photo that runs with the column this week has a woman. Her shirt says, God guns and Trump. What would God or Jesus say about guns? I don't think you'd be too don't, into
2: that. I go into this because I was raised in a Methodist family and went to church and Sunday school every day, every week, not every day. God, once a week was good. And I learned that Jesus was a forgiving person, and you treat other people the way you want to be treated, etc. And I had never, growing up, heard anything about this. I'm old. We didn't talk about homosexuals or gay marriage or any of that sort of. And now this has become the rhetoric of this cult. And Jesus never had anything to say about any of this stuff.
0: No. We know he was against materialism and the money changers and all that stuff you write here in your column yep. for treating our fellow humans as we would treat ourselves. and All it's, all of it's just so backwards. And this has been happening playing out for a long time as an undercurrent but i think and you got it right here in your column too when marjorie taylor green from georgia said last week we need to be the party of nationalism i say it proudly i'm a christian nationalist and that was for me that was a moment when the republicans are saying the quiet part out loud and boy that took fire and it took off
2: yeah that's what literally what the nazis call themselves so yeah. they're just out in the open saying as you said the quiet part and it's they're saying it really loud and they're saying it in a way that the folks who who are just mad and ready to get mad at something are, are buying into this stuff. And we have to stop it now. We have to just cut this off. We have got to vote these people out of office.
0: Another example here, Colorado Congress gun Lauren Bobart. If you read the column, you got to check out just for the puns are fantastic. Is it Bobert? Is that how you say that?
2: Bobert, I believe.
0: She said, we need to get over this idea of the separation of church and state because we are a Christian nation. You said the founding fathers would be surprised to learn that.
2: Yeah, this country was founded. Founded as a primarily a way to get away from religious oppression in England, and the last thing they wanted to do was establish this country as a as a nation of some sort of God.
0: Then I just pointed out old Florida Congress putz Matt Getz here. <laughs> women demanding abortion rights shouldn't worry, quote, because they're all five foot two and three hundred pound, and no one's going to want to impregnate them. That's yeah, insane. Uh, this
2: is the level of misogyny that it, just some frat rhetoric that you just. You just cannot get your head around the fact that this is a congressperson. Saying this and then doubling down on it the next day by saying, if anyone's offended, get offended. I don't care. I don't understand how it works. I don't either. I'm sure glad I got you fired up, though. (laughs) I'm really happy. Yeah. You go out there and get fired
0: up too. read will.
2: Someone's got to do it.
0: (laughs) Bruce stays fired up about this stuff, and you're going to read it only right here in the Memphis Flyer. Bruce, thanks for uh, what you do for us. Go out and read his column this week. It's called The Devil to Pay. Pick it up on the stands right now or go to MemphisFlyer.com. Bruce, thanks again for all you do. Thank you, Toby. Chris McCoy, he is our film and TV editor. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely, once again, you have gone to the movies and you have watched this week. The brand new Jordan Peele movie, Nope. I have seen some trailers for it. It looks right up my alley. What'd you th- I think it is a masterpiece.
3: Jordan Peele, he was TV comedian. He was on Key and Peele. Yep. And then in 2017, he had a film called Get Out, which is just one of the best horror movies of the last it was decade. Great. Yeah, it's so good. It's Hitchcock's Rear Window, and it's a genre piece that's very focused and every bit works exactly like it's supposed to work. His next film was called Us in 2019, and it is more like Vertigo if you, look, if you compare it to Hitchcock. Hitchcock could do the tight genre piece in his sleep, but Vertigo was like, I've got these images in my head and I need to figure out what they mean. Okay. And making the film helped him figure out what they mean. Interesting. These mean. So that's, that's also the vibe of Nope as well. Except the images that he uses this time that he as jumping off points are, it's a UFO movie. Nice. It, that's why I thought about you. Yeah. To, like, you're going to totally be <laughs> into this. It's very Spielbergian. Okay. It's, it goes in a direction that he has not gone yet. It, there's a lot of Close Encounters of the Third Kind in there. Close Encounters is one of my all-time favorite movies. My joke is if I ever get to interview Steven Spielberg, it will be, uh, this is what it would sound like, do you have any questions for Mr. Spielberg that are not about Close Encounters? <laughs>
0: We've got to move this along, we, Mr. McCoy. I'm we gotta, sorry. We've got to move this along. That movie was a long time ago. Yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> so, Oh, I can tell you've been on the phone with a PR guy. You've been there. I've been there. But this, so it stars Daniel Kaluuya, who was, his, was in Get Out, and he was also in Judas and the Black Messiah. I you've seen that. Yeah. And Kiki Palmer, is, and she is great in this. And that they are a brother and sister team who run a ranch, where they train horses for Hollywood okay. so for westerns and stuff like that. And their father is played by Keith David, the legend yeah. Keith David. And he dies early in the film mysteriously when these objects fall from the sky, just random small objects and he gets hit in the head with a nickel and dies. Oh, no. But they're like where did this where did all the stumps come from? And it turns out that there is a UFO. It's a UFO hotspot, and there's one UFO particularly that has been flying saucer, literally a flying saucer, that has been visiting the area. On the other side of the canyon where they live, there is a little dude ranch kind of place that's called Jupiter's Claim that's run by this guy named Jupe, who used to be a child star, and his co-star was a chimp. But then one day on the set, the chimp goes nuts, and kills everybody except for him on live television.
0: Yeah, and I've got to say, if you don't read anything else in the Memphis Flyer this week, go and read the first five graphs of this, because it tells you everything you need to know about that scene, and it uh, shivered me timbers.
3: I I didn't do it justice, (laughs) and you can't. He also discovers that there's this UFO that's coming to this valley frequently. Both Jupe and the Haywoods, they they both try to start capturing the UFO in a different way. And the idea is, for the Haywoods, they're going to take a picture, and it's gonna be the best picture of a UFO ever taken. They call it the, the Oprah shot. Okay. It's like, undeniable, this is clear, IMAX-level image of a UFO, no denying it, here we are, pay us money. Sure. And and it all spirals out of control from there. It spirals out of control actually really early in the <laughs> film because none of this goes where you think it's going to go. I give it my highest recommendation, and I hope everybody can go see it.
0: Well, there you go. You got the Chris McCoy stamp of approval for Nope. That's the new Jordan Peele horror movie. It's playing all over the place. Go see it this weekend. And, Chris, thanks for all you do. Thanks, Tub. Let's get our calendar out here, see if we can find some stuff to help you get your weekend together. The Dragnificent Variety Show. This one's called the Gay Old Opry. This is at the Evergreen Theater this week and next week. Tickets are $27. Go to page 19 of the flyer and find out all the information about this. And tonight is the Memphis Summer Cocktail Festival, brought to you in part by the Memphis Flyer. This is at Shelby Farms Park Event Center. Tickets are $45. It runs from 6 to 9 p.m. The Memphis Summer Cocktail Fest lineup is set with 30-plus spirits offering up delectable summer-inspired cocktails to choose from. In addition to 12 cocktail samples, attendees can purchase local tasty eats from food trucks, enjoy a photo booth on site to capture all the magic, dance the night away with the help of a DJ, and more. This is a 21 and over event. And tomorrow afternoon is 901 Family Fest. This is at Hickory Hill Community Center, Saturday, July 30th, 1 to 5 p.m. Bring your family, friends, and neighbors out for a fun day in the community. This event includes free food for the first 500 guests. With live music, games, bouncy houses, vendors, a youth basketball play day, and a school supply and uniform giveaway, there is something for everyone. Over at the 901 Family Fest at the Hickory Hill Community Center, Saturday, July 30th, 1 to 5 p.m., The event is completely free. All right, folks, that's just a few events that we have in our calendar this week to help you get your weekend together. There's a ton more in there. Check the flyer on the stands. Go to MemphisFlyer.com. If you get bored, it's your own fault, but y'all go out. Have a great weekend and try to stay cool. Our cover story this week is exactly what you need to know about late-night eats around Memphis. On the show right now, I am joined by Sam Chichi. He wrote part of this. For the story, he went on an adventure with our food man-about-town writer, Michael Donahue. First off, Sam, welcome to the show. Thanks, Toby. Happy to be here. For the story, I know we've been kicking this idea around in our editorial meetings for a long time. Y'all finally did this thing. Tell me... How you set this thing up? We started by just uh, thinking about our favorite spots or other places
4: that had some street cred as good late night dining spots. Okay. But we've been working on this for a long time because back when we had the original idea, it was still we were still dealing with COVID. Okay. And a lot of restaurants just shut down their late night dining operations right. or out of necessity or just wasn't financially worth it anymore to yeah. keep doing that. So... Honestly, even now, it's still kind of slim pickings. A lot of places are either deciding they don't want to do that at all going forward. So how did you pick the places and where did you go? What time did you start? We started at 10 p.m. Where? Uh, We actually started at Panta. Okay. And that just worked out. I'd written about Panta several times for the magazine. And then the day before we were putting our list together... They posted on their social media feeds that they would start doing this new, like, late-night exclusive menu. And that's going to be stuff that's way different than your normal late-night greasy bar food. What was on the menu and what did you eat? Panta is a Catalan restaurant by Kelly English, so you're going to have a lot of that Spanish-themed stuff. They're using all the same ingredients that they have for their regular menu, but the late-night menu, which is available from 10 to 12. It's a little bit cheaper, it's a little more snackier. So oh. We tried the Catalan hot dog, which had this, <laughs> it was like a regular hot dog, but then it had this cool like vegetable mix that's pretty common over there okay. around Barcelona. Some good Brava sauce on it too. Amazing. It's a little bit of kick.
0: I think the line that gets me the most in what you wrote about Panta was that you saw some younger folks in there who'd maybe been out to a show or had been out at the bars having drinks and stuff. And they said that this is like Panta was their new Taco Bell.
4: Yeah, because, you know, a lot of people, Taco Bell was the place you'd stop after a long night of drinking at 2 or 3 a.m. It would normally be the only place open or the most convenient, so that's, that was your spot. The difference in Panta and
0: Taco Bell is a big one
4: that's true yeah certainly pricing wasn't too bad though yeah. for their late night menu you're probably going to see a lot of stuff in the eight to ten dollar range okay and you
0: still get a pretty decent helping from panty y'all moved on to alex's tavern and i know if you went to college here in memphis i did not but if you did and especially went to rhodes you've been to alex's you've had the burgers in there what y'all think about that alex's is a good time it's, yeah it's
4: nice that nice little dive bar over on jackson you know what you're getting it's you know you can Throw back a few beers. If you've been drinking a lot, you get some of those delicious chicken tenders. Yeah. Or those Crispy wings or burger if you're up for that.
0: In my experience at Alex's it's elevated bar food. Well done the way that Rocky likes to do it. A lot of Greek infl- yeah,
4: absolutely. in there, which is great, yeah. Yeah, I think he learned a lot of those recipes from his mother, he was saying, for some of the things, like this little okra stew he had and then just the seasoning mix that he uses, stuff like that. It just... It gives it a little bit of that personal touch rather than just getting some bland tenders or yeah.
0: something. But to round out the night, y'all went to RP Tracks. I know if you've been to the University of Memphis, you have been to Tracks over there. I've been a couple of times. I have had these tofu nachos, which are just insane. And when people said to me that I needed to get those or especially there, I looked at them funny. I got them anyway because that's what I do, and it was killer.
4: I know, I'd always felt a little weird about that, like, barbecue tofu nachos. Like, I've eating barbecue, like, pork or beef nachos for years. I can't do tofu, but, man, that was delicious. Yeah, I talked to the owner, Mary Laws, who said that it's been a super popular item for a long time over there. And she's right. The tofu is so crispy. I was surprised at how well they make that whole package fit together. And the, what is it, the black bean chili dip, I believe, is, like, the secret ingredient in there that kind of makes it stand out from your normal nacho blend. Right,
0: yeah. But tons of great food over there at tracks and all those great traditions that they've got with the trains going by and all of those things. So what time did you and Donahue finally end your late night dining journey? Oh, let's see. I think we wrapped it up around 3 a.m. Oh, dang. Yeah, so I dropped Donahue off at his car so we could make his
4: hour-long trek back to uh, Red Bank with all the you know coffee i drank at panta i didn't get to sleep until 6 a.m
0: oh my gosh and so your yeah your weekend was totally wrecked it's a flyer story for sure our readers are going to love that i think as we get older we forget that you need a late night dining guide but you and donahue you really pulled it off in here go check it out it's on the stands right now you can check it out at memphisflyer.com this is our late night eats it's our late night dining guide brought to you by sam chichi and michael donahue sam thanks so much thanks again toby folks that's gonna do it for my half of memphis flyer radio the talk half of the show but stick around for that second half of the show the better half of the show over there that is where our music editor alex green is going to be spending some records telling you some tales and sounding dadgum good doing it all right y'all stay safe out there this weekend try to stay cool and join us right back here next friday for more memphis flyer radio alex take it away thank you